Hello, and welcome to the One Medicine Podcast from Today's Practitioner. In each episode, we share the expertise of a respective thought leader, some you'll know and others you'll probably meet for the first time. We cover topics important to you, always with a focus on improving the health outcomes of the patients you treat, while expanding your understanding of the many healing modalities being used today. So welcome to the One Medicine Podcast. I'm Rob Lutz. I'm the host. And with me today is Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum, Dr. T. Quick bio on, on Dr. T. He's a board-certified internist and nationally known expert in the field of chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, sleep, and pain. He's authored numerous books, including the best-selling From Fatigue to Fantastic. He's the lead author on numerous studies on effective treatment for fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome, and one study on effective treatment for autism using NAET. He also developed a popular free smartphone app called Cures A to Z, and Dr. T lives in Kona, Hawaii. Welcome, Dr. T, to the One Medicine Podcast. (laughs) Um, Aloha, and welcome everybody today, too. Rob, this is going to be a good time today for everybody. For those of you out there who are working with people with long COVID or even just any other cause of chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, we're going to organize all of this for you today, let you know what's causing it and how to make it go away on just a very how-to approach. That's great. So before we jump into the main topic of what we're going to be discussing today, a couple of questions I'd like to ask you. And I'm always curious, you know, how you went from a conventional training into a more of an integrative <laughs> functional medicine. What happened? You know, what was it that that brought you? Usually it's some some event in your life that uh, caused you to to go down this path. Can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's like people ask, what's a nice doctor like you doing being a quack like this or something? It's uh, the same way that most of us went through. I found myself on the other side of the white coat. Usually it's us or a family member with it. And it's funny, you know, I explain to people that the being an, an MD is kind of like getting your bachelor's degree. And mm-hmm. then holistic medicine is when you continue and you get like your master's and your PhD. Got it, and yeah. people go, oh, okay. So basically I was, my dad had died when I was younger. I was paying my own way through college. So I finished college in like two and a half years because you pay by the semester. So I just kind of mm-hmm. rolled through it. It was med school, rolling through that, working as a nurse in children's hospital. And that was all the easy part of my life. I have my family background as my mom was in Auschwitz. Most of my family died in the camps. And they all decided to go through a meltdown and try to put me in the middle. And emotionally, I was I was very smart and emotionally I had the depth of a teaspoon, basically. It was just, I couldn't manage it. My my uncle literally had a heart attack in my living room trying to get manipulate me to manipulate the other cousins. Wow. It was emotionally intense. So that was the setup for the drop in energy. Mm-hmm. Then I got this nasty drop-dead flu, this nasty virus. Mm-hmm. Took me out of the game, triggered post-viral chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. Since I was paying my own way, that left me homeless, sleeping in parks. I was in Tulsa on a park bench, and it's as if the universe put a holistic homeless medical school sign on the park bench. Mm-hmm. Naturopaths came by. I didn't even know there was such a thing. I said, you can actually right. practice doing that? And I was like, I was I was all set to go back and be a naturopath if I healed up. And the universe said, no, you're going to be an MD. Another mm-hmm. story. And you know, energy workers, chakra workers, um, herbalists, uh, all these different people came by. And they sat on on my park bench and taught me. Wow. I was able to return to med school, got my honors in medicine, and have spent the last 47, 48 years researching 
teaching, writing books, writing, doing studies on effective treatments for post-viral and other causes of chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. I guess it makes sense why you're so focused on chronic fatigue. You know, if it's that's really what kind of brought you here in a lot of ways, right? That's my uh, passion. Yeah. <laughs> so my other question, and you kind of teed it up a little bit. So you had a lot of these different practitioners coming by, you know, different different focuses on what they called medicine. What do you call the type of medicine that you practice? What would you call Comprehensive it? medicine. Comprehensive. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's a term coined by Dr. Hugh Gurdon. Brilliant, underspoken gentleman who passed mm-hmm. many years ago. Okay. And then one final question. So if there's one unifying principle between all these different types of medicine that are out there, what what would you say that would be? What is the one thing that kind of connects all these different types of medicine, whatever the there's, modality might be or the name might be? There's no one thing. You have to look at the combination of the biophysics, the structural, the biochemistry, and the mind-body, or the, you know, the biophysics and the mind-body. You have to do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. There's no one-size-fits-all. Got it. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, so now we're going to jump into long COVID. You know, it's it's something that's fairly prevalent. I think there was a, a recent study that just came out. They're able to identify it based on some markers, but it sounds like it's you know, a very high percentage of people that have had COVID end up with long COVID. So can you help me understand what is what exactly is long COVID? So it's 10%. And again, this is that study was maybe the 15th test. Okay. That's positive. The powers that be prefer to make believe that this is all in people's minds. So if when you do that, you don't have to pay health benefits and disability benefits. But basically, we're looking at 10% of people who get COVID, get post-viral chronic fatigue syndrome. This look, translates to almost 20 million people in the United States. And I would simply put, view these as an energy crisis where people trip a circuit breaker. That's the kind of organizing thing because we hear, well, is it toxins? Is it nutrition? Is it the, it's it's an energy crisis? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then that we can sense. organize it from there. One way to think of it starting, you can trip a circuit breaker in this disease in hundreds of ways, just like you can in your home. And mm-hmm. There's no one way, but if you look at the post-viral, uh, viruses don't have mitochondria or at least not much in the way of energy producing Mm -hmm. organelles. So they basically rely on hijacking the host's mitochondria and energy production. So our bodies, when it senses foreign DNA, viral DNA, Mm -hmm. shuts down energy production to try to starve the virus. And that works really well for a couple of days or a week. But sometimes, especially if there's little bits of viral particles left over, the body won't shut that that process off, the low energy continues, and you're stuck in this low energy state. So mm-hmm. you need to turn energy production back on for people to recover. I see. So someone who has long COVID, you know, as, as we described, are there those, I'm just curious, that is there kind of a continuum or a spectrum that someone may not have that that worst condition, you know, of long COVID, but certain symptoms that may benefit from this protocol that you've been working on, you know, are, are those that have had COVID? Maybe it's not as bad as those that are technically with long COVID. Do do some of these treatment protocols work for those folks as well after they've had COVID? Yes. And let me break it into two things. What we're going to talk about today works for fatigue and pain in general, and often cognitive dysfunction. In terms of people with long COVID, the current working definition for long COVID, that's a medical word, sucks horribly. You'll see no useful research coming out. The NIH has already blown through the billion dollars Mm -hmm. with nothing 
therapeutically to show for it of benefit where I could find two pet dogs and a rabbit that could have come up with at least on treatments without money and research mm-hmm. that it's, it's sad. Yeah. But how do they define long COVID as any persistent symptom after COVID? Got it. So for example, say we were trying to treat auto accidents and we lumped in skull fractures and sprained ankles mm-hmm. and all the other things in between. Right. And and you try to design a treatment. It's it's silly. So I want to break that out. The most common things, if you look at symptoms post-COVID, people will have lung damage, shock lung, ARDS. Mm-hmm. Again, use some Boswellia, use Curamed, which is a highly absorbed curcumin and clinical glutathione. Shut down the free radical oxidative stress shut down the inflammation and the research shows it tends to heal on its own over about two years okay uh, people with heart disease any heart disease arrhythmias angina post mi heart failure you want to increase cardiac muscle efficiency it helps all of those you look at the cures a to c phone app nice simple recipe ribose b vitamins magnesium acetylcarnitine coq10 you will see in six weeks dramatic clinical improvement whatever the cause of the heart injury because mm-hmm. heart muscle efficiency improves and there's there's more but that's a simple way to begin and you see very prominent effects so those two things if people have short if you want i i have free information sheets on a lot of the different topics so i'm going to throw those out my email address is fatigue f-a-t-i-g-u-e D-O-C, like fatigue doc at gmail.com. For we'll include that in the transcript as well. So when folks come back to the podcast, a lot of this information you're sharing, well, I'll make sure the links are there so they can find this information from you. Perfect. So if people are coming in with shortness of breath, most of the time it's not heart lung, it's vagal nerve and, and the rest. But you can email me for a shortness of breath with mm-hmm. after COVID information sheet that you can just modify for your practice and give out to people. Okay, great. I'd like to talk about the vagal nerve at some point if we have time towards the end here, because I think that's fascinating. I did work with, we've got a, an article on the on the website, Today's Practitioner, where there's a physical therapist who's come up with a protocol to you know, work on the vagus nerve. And actually he's brought back taste and smell for, for patients that had lost that, which I just, so many things I find interesting with, with the vagus nerve, but that I found fascinating. So how is it exactly are we diagnosing long COVID? What's so- what exactly? Is so it, let's I know you gave the up. old... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> um, I tend to get excited about what I do because this yeah. is so treatable for people. So sorry yeah. that I interrupt. So the long COVID we're talking, let's focus on here is post-viral chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia, often both together, mm-hmm. most often. So how do you diagnose it? If you have somebody with fatigue and widespread pain, brain fog, or insomnia, any of those other three, fatigue and any of the other three, presume they have long COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, started with COVID, persisted. It can start months after the COVID too. Yeah. So I'm going to broaden that. If somebody comes in with severe unexplained fatigue and insomnia, that paradox, exhausted and can't sleep, mm-hmm. presume they trip the hypothalamic circuit breaker, that little guy right there, mm-hmm. which is the sleep center and hormone and autonomic control center, that circuit breaker. Can't sleep despite being exhausted. That's enough for me to make that diagnosis mm-hmm. and to move forward with treating. And and what exactly do you do for that? Is it looking at cortisol levels and things like that? Or what what exactly are you doing for a patient that comes in like that, with that presenting takes, that way? It takes a comprehensive approach. So we call it the SHINE protocol. 
So if you want to organize it, this is worth writing down. Mm -hmm. Point one, they're exhausted and can't sleep. They've tripped a circuit breaker and they've got to process. Point two, it's an energy crisis. Point three, restore energy production and turn the circuit breaker back on with the SHINE, S-H-I-N-E protocol. Mm -hmm. That means you address sleep. And with long COVID, it's only 40% who have the, the sleep issues initially, because in the first year, you're often oversleeping, and then it goes into insomnia once you get past the first year. But you need to address sleep quality regardless. So a question about that. So I, I use a sleep app, you know, and I, I track how much REM and how much deep sleep. I may be, you know, asleep for eight and a half hours, but like last night, I think I had 30 minutes of REM and 10 minutes of deep sleep. So I didn't feel very rested. So is is that what you're looking at as well? I mean, of course, a lot of your patients may not have a sleep app of some sort or tracker, but, or are they just not sleeping? They're just, they can't fall asleep. There's all kinds of technology and I'm I'm a very high tech kind of guy. So the technology I recommend is asking people how long does it take to fall asleep? Mm -hmm. How often do you wake up during the night? What's your total night's sleep? And do you feel rested in the morning? Got it. Yeah. That's going to tell me what I need. Yeah, to that's know. going to tell you everything you need. Right? Um, you'll find I'm very high tech all the way through the show today. Yeah, like yeah. you know, simple questions. So we'll we'll do that. So if they're waking and they're feeling like they have non-restorative sleep, mm-hmm. they have trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep. They have sleep disordered breathing, like sleep apnea or UARS. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these will tell you those four questions. How do I address it? Number one, the, we all know the sleep hygiene kind of stuff. Don't blow it up on coffee right before bedtime. Don't yeah. sit there trying to watch what do we call the evening. Oh, it's, it's this thing on TV where they try to scare everybody to death to make them hate each other. It's right. it's a fiction. It's all oh, the evening news. Yes. Right. Uh, turn all that off. I don't care which side you're watching. Yeah. It's it's a fiction meant to scare you to death and to make you hate everybody mm-hmm. because that's good for business and that will get you watching. But it's not good to watch that before bedtime because how the hell are you going to fall asleep yeah. right after watching that kind of stuff? Right. People need a sleep routine. There are sleep herbals. There's a wonderful mix called the Revitalizing Sleep Formula. Uh, I designed that one. My royalties go to charity, blah, blah, blah. Mix mm-hmm. the six herbs. There's the terrific ZZZZ. There's a EP120 by Euromedica makes some wonderful products. They make an mm-hmm. EP120 sustained release 10 milligram melatonin. Okay. Uh, I take that myself because you want a sustained release that'll keep you out through the night. Mm-hmm. So you can start with these simple things. If and when using medications, because they may be needed, the Z medications tend to help initiate sleep. But to maintain sleep, tiny doses of trazodone, 25 milligrams, flexural, two and a half milligrams, gabapentin, 100 to 300. You'll find, and then there's a list of other natural and prescription things. But it's like if you go into a Chinese apothecary, you know, an old Chinese guy opens up 50 drawers, takes a pinch of each, puts it Mm -hmm. all together. It's more like that than a whole glob of one, you know. Right, okay. Low doses of several things get people sleeping through the night without being hungover the next day. So sleep, you know, it's, is that kind of the cornerstone to this? Would you say it really is, is, and probably for so many things, sleep is, yes. is critical. Yeah. You can't get rid of pain and you can't get your energy back if you're not sleeping. Makes sense. So let's keep going through the the shine protocol. What, what would be next that you'd want to so talk H about? stands for hormones and hypotension, basically POTS kind of things. For the hormones, they are low across the board. The hypothalamic pituitary axis controls almost every hormone in the body. 
mm-hmm. um, at least the endocrine hormones. So the and the tests. It's important. You know, I, I love asking the question when on speaking with physicians, which is where does the normal range on the lab tests come from? Now, the holistic docs, you guys really know this, uh, but when I ask it to standard practitioners, if I'm lecturing to 400 doctors, it's kind of like looking at 400 deer in the headlights, like, wow. I have no idea, <laughs> you know? And, you know, we we were given the impression that the world's experts, wise old men with silver beards that all look like Gandalf are sitting around mm-hmm. the table, you know, and they say, well, if it's in this normal range, no problem. Yeah. Eh, there's no such thing. The normal range is simply two standard deviations. You take 100 healthy people, you do the test. That the highest and lowest 2% are abnormal and the 95% in the middle of the normal range. Wow. So. Explain that to, I explain it to patients in a way it's easy to understand. The normal range for shoe, size, shoe sizes is size six to thirteen. Uh, a normal income is eighty one hundred dollars a year. That's in two standard deviations. Sixteen thousand is poverty. Wow. So, but the doctor will say if you're eighty one hundred dollars a year income and a size six shoe, no problem at all. You're as doing long great. as I'm not the one having to wear it. Yeah, you know, it's uh, so the tests give you an idea where people are in the overall population mm-hmm. the symptoms tell you do they need a thyroid tired achy weight gain cold and tolerant two of those i'm going to give them a trial of the, the desiccated thyroid they could spend three hours talking about you know whether you're synthroid desiccated t3 how to fit. but so the bottom line is everybody's different mm-hmm. and the reverse t3 if that's high that may push me more to the t3 you know, kind of things. But I'm usually going to start with desiccated thyroid. If they get too jittery, I'll go to synthroid. If they just don't get a response, but they still sound hypothyroid, I'm going to go to the uh, T3 protocols. But those, again, you're making them hyperthyroid biochemically. You're going with high doses of T3. But these are, you want to adjust it to what feels best for the person. Mm-hmm. while keeping the free T4 from being elevated. Low is okay. You put people on T3, the T4 and TSH will go way down. That's fine. So you're you're asking the, the patient questions and you're you're taking that information in deciding what to give them. Are you then also testing to see where these levels are going after they're starting to take this? Or are you still just going back to the questions? You know, I'm, to get I'm a, testing, feel? but I'm relying predominantly on symptoms. Mm-hmm. So if their free T4 is in the top 10% or higher, mm-hmm. I'm going to lower the dose unless they really, really need the higher dose clinically. That's when you start seeing the toxicity. A low TSH, TSH is a piece of crap tester. I'm sorry. It's it's <laughs> Especially if you have hypothalamic dysfunction and you're relying on a TSH, that's insane. Yeah. it's a, it's You may as well just be, you know, broadcasting an old I Love Lucy rerun on your windshield and try to drive based on that. It's, it's, right. it's a meaningless test. I adjust it to what feels best to the person mm-hmm. while making sure the free T4 is not elevated for safety. Mm-hmm. So what other hormones are you looking at? Um, Adrenal. Mm-hmm. Another study just came out, the same one, mm-hmm. the test. You found that low cortisol, not low based on the adrenal insufficiency going to kill you. Mm-hmm but significantly lower than the healthy population. And we've, of course, all of this we've been saying for 30 years, and we've known that, and they're coming up, look what we found. Oh, well, you know, the earth has been here a while. This is all 
old stuff. So how do I diagnose low adrenal in this disease? Again, I'll do the testing of the morning fasting cortisol is under 14, I suspect. Again, do the salivary indexes if you like. But if I had to keep all the tests or one question, I would mm -hmm. keep one question. Do you get irritable when hungry? Do you get hangry? Hmm. And if their spouse is with them and going, yes, like that, you know, yeah. you know. So if people get irritable when hungry, they have low adrenal and that should be addressed. Naturally, a, a product called Adrenoplex has a mix of glandulars, licorice, panathenic acids, C, tyrosine, uh, DHEA, pregnant, it's all in one or two capsules a day. Mm -hmm. It's just really sweet, easy. Adrenoplex, one or two a day will smooth most problems. Is, is, is that a branded formula or does that come from one particular company? That, or? that also is Euromedica. Euromedica. That's a branded okay. formula. Sometimes I will use hydrocortisone in more severe cases, mm -hmm. and I'm very comfortable using it up to 20 milligrams a day, which is like four milligrams of prednisone. Mm -hmm. One of my earlier studies showed you do not get adrenal insufficiency at 20 milligrams or less a day. It begins at 25. You don't suppress the adrenal. Mm -hmm. There's no suppression at 20 or less. And the toxicities have been shown with prednisone except for adrenal suppression, which starts at five milligrams, most of the toxicity besides acid, stomach, and some fluid retention begins at seven milligrams. Okay. Uh, I'm very comfortable when needed going somewhere between two and a half to 20 milligrams of hydrocortisone a day. And if people need it for the rest of their life, that's okay. Usually, I dosage, people, you think it's okay? I think yep. it's safe at that doses. Mm -hmm. But I, and this it took me the first time I heard that, I said, what crazy person is this? I spent three years, not just looking at Professor Jeffrey's work, but going through the literature saying there must be studies. And all the were people saying, well, this other person says that any dose is toxic and they refer back and that person eventually refers to the first person. Nothing. I couldn't find anything. The osteo, the cataracts and maybe loss of bone density, there aren't studies for the lower dose, but most of the other toxicities dose related your body makes the equivalent of 35 milligrams of cortisone a day okay so if you're giving 20 and your body doesn't want it it will make less mm -hmm. makes sense when you go higher that the body no longer has control yeah. so the adrenal certainly dhea and pregnenolone i will check and, and supplement those if needed as well okay okay any other hormones that you're paying attention to um reproductive <laughs> again all the hormones on this circuit yeah so uh, reproductive hormones and again the blood tests for women for estrogen progesterone and fsh will not go deficient go down until the person has been deficient for five to 12 years that is a very mm -hmm. late finding how do i diagnose again simple question are your fibromyalgia symptoms worse around your menses not your PMS, mm -hmm. not just low progesterone, but if you're having headache, fatigue, brain fog, insomnia, all, achiness, all of these are worse around your menses. Slow estrogen and progesterone. So, what about postmenopause? You know, what's if they if they're past the menses and they have the fibro? You know, I'll finasse to the to do that mm -hmm. uh, before we went, but the vaginal dryness suggests it and if the FSH and LH are over 80s, mm -hmm. I'm 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 pretty quick to give a, a trial of the vaginal bioidentical hormone replacement, including mm -hmm. 
one to five milligrams, usually one to two milligrams of testosterone. There's work out of Dartmouth University showing that even with normal testosterone levels, women given low dose of testosterone in fibromyalgia, as Professor Hillary White, had decreased fibromyalgia pain. Interesting. So, Why do you think that is? What, what, well, what fibromyalgia is critical for tissue repair. It's also critical to increase your blood cell mass. Mm -hmm. And this disease, what they're finding is people have decreased blood volume and the low, so the hematocrit's okay because volume is low, they're dehydrated, and your blood cell count is low. But since mm -hmm. they're both low, they cancel out on the test and it looks normal. But if you do a, a nuclear scan for red blood cells and blood volume, it's, it's all in the tank. Why? Because the next hormone, antidiuretic hormone, mm -hmm. and you have the, uh, the fluid and salt controlling hormones in the hypothalamus. Basically, people are, are leaking like buckets that's full of holes. They can't hold on to water or salt. They need a lot of salt and water, even if they're drinking four times that everybody else is, they're peeing five times as much. Wow. So, so and, and so what do you do to treat that? <laughs> what's what's kind of the, you're looking at all these different hormones and, and based on the symptoms that you're getting from the patient and you're mm -hmm. coming up with a very specific treatment protocol for each patient or there's some similarities it's, between all of these, would you say? It's tailored to each person. There's mm -hmm. a simple, I actually hold a U.S. patent for computerized physician. It's it's expired already, but you know, I created that a long time ago because people with fibromyalgia couldn't get help otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's called energyanalysisprogram.com. Mm -hmm. It's free. People can go in, put in their symptoms, put in their pertinent lab tests. It will analyze all of them and determine which of these hundred variables are most active in their case. Oh. I can't say it's a fibromyalgia program because I don't have to pay $100 million to the FDA. Yeah. That's an energy analysis program. Let's fix the energy deficits. So you'll see it's really good for people. They can go out and bring you the results. The, and it just simplifies it. I used to have it that I made the whole medical record for the person before they mm -hmm. ever walked into the office. So most people in the thyroid, if they get hangry, give them adrenoplex. And salt and water load them. That's the simple. And then men and women, bioidentical hormone replacement. If the testosterone is under 500 in men, or they're showing symptoms of metabolic syndrome, erectile dysfunction, you know, the symptoms of low testosterone, mm -hmm. I'm going to treat. The, yeah. the 208 normal range is absurd. And are you seeing you know, some of your patients with long COVID with these types of symptoms as well? You know, where it's, yeah. And the... Reproductive hormone deficiencies develop more over time. Mm -hmm. The adrenal is almost immediate. Mm -hmm. The thyroid kind of in between. So I go on the symptoms. And again, it's like, what if I'm wrong and they don't have it? Then they won't feel worse on it. Stop it. Right. <laughs> yeah, simple you're simple on, as that. You're trying right? on shoes. Simple yeah, as that. Inst instant feedback. Right. Mm -hmm. any, any other hormones? Those are the main ones. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but what I would do, we talk about the low adrenal and low blood volume, mm -hmm. which leads to the other part of H, which is hypotension. Mm -hmm. It's a misnomer, but it fits the, the shine, so mm -hmm. I stick it in there. This is basically orthostatic intolerance, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. There's it's an alphabet soup. POTS is one in vogue now. Mm -hmm. When we stand up or a big bag of water, think of what gravity does with all our blood. It sends it down to our legs. Mm -hmm. Right. We had to develop autonomic function to send that blood back up to the brain and heart and muscles and the rest. Otherwise, again, maybe dizzy all over time, brain foggy, achy, and tired. You know? mm -hmm. So 
you don't need tilt table testing. <laughs> you don't. That's a horrible, expensive, nasty test that's not reliable. If you email me at the fatigue doc at gmail.com, ask for the if you ask for the long COVID information, I'll automatically send that because it's a the majority of people have it. It's a simple yeah. test you can do. You have them lie down for 10 minutes and they can mm-hmm. do this at home, check their pulse, and then have them stand in one place and check their pulse every minute or two for 10 minutes. If at any time during that, it goes up over 20 beats a minute, if they have the fatigue and the symptoms, it's suspicious. If it goes over 30 beats a minute higher, it confirms that. It's it's easy. And then, you know, you take the adrenal. Just to touch on that for a second. So you have them lay down for 10 minutes. So their heart rates come down. They're kind of at a resting heart rate. Then they stand up and they're just going to stand there for 10 minutes and they're going to take their pulse and Every if it goes minutes. up 20 to 30, then for you, that's a major symptom to look at. They've got it. Yeah, they've it, got it. Pot, they, it, it. Pots or whatever mm-hmm. letters you want to put on it needs to be treated. Mm-hmm. And again, increased salt, increased water, address the adrenal, compression stockings. Now, again, mm-hmm. most people don't want to wear old lady stockings, the medium pressure, thigh right. high. But, you know, you have somebody bedridden, they're kind of game with it. But even the athletic ones, the ones the athletes wear, Right. That's that's say added compression. Mm-hmm. They look sharp, and people will wear them. The higher the better, but even knee highs add something. And then there's half a dozen medications, and there's other supplements. The vagal, the autonomic training. Mm-hmm. If we have time at the end, we'll talk about ANS three wire or dynamic neural retraining system. Those help as well. So very, very, very treatable once you know it's there. Mm-hmm. Very good. So that's that's the H. Anything else on the H that we should cover? Okay. So the next is I. I would be infections. Mm-hmm. So again, the immune system goes initially on overdrive because it's it's ramped up mm-hmm. and then it exhausts itself. So you'll see the natural killer activity goes down. You'll see different phases. I wouldn't don't spend a nickel for those tests since we know their immune system is fighting and then exhausted and overwhelmed. And they're going to get opportunistic infections, which means infections that a healthy immune system keeps at bay. We know Epstein-Barr reactivates in long COVID. That's been shown again. We know Mm -hmm. in CFS of fibromyalgia, there's multiple viral reactivation. So people say, oh, well, yeah, everybody's testing positive, you know, for Epstein-Barr antibody. Yes, even healthy people walking the street, 95% of adults are positive. Doesn't mean squat. Right. Now, there are ranges you can have where you see if they're in the top 10% of the rest. But a positive, these tests being positive would be nothing. And the few very rare ones that I've seen the Epstein-Barr IgM be positive don't seem to be helped by treatment. Not twice. We can do the testing if it'll make you feel better. But the bottom line, if they have recurrent viral kind of flu-like symptom feelings, mm-hmm. I will, you know, you can do things like Pro and a good multivitamin. I go with a Famvir Celebrex protocol. Okay. And this is all, again, it's my, the, my book, From Fatigue Fantastic, the blue guy over my shoulder. Yeah. And it's just all laid out. You can ask me for it. I can cut and paste it for you. Right. Um, again, we'll, we'll include your email address and links to your site and different places they get this information. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. And it takes four to six months. You'll start with a cow adding the Celebrex, which is strangely it's antiviral. That's hmm. in my mind, but it, it is. Those two are synergistic by themselves. Neither of them do much. You know, why Why is, are these infections kind of staying in the body? Or is it like in a 
biofilm? Are they what's what's happening? Why are they still there? The immune system's exhausted because it got cranked up and never turned off. Can you imagine you had an army that their horns are blowing and you know they're all kind of and then somebody put the record player for the charge thing on and a month later nobody turned it off and the soldiers are still running all over the place and they're kind of exhausted. Yeah. That's what's happening to your immune systems in this disease. The most important infection, or one of the most important, is candida overgrowth. This is a massive organism. If a virus is, in relative terms, the size of a period at the end of a sentence, and spirochete might be as big as a room, and candida as big as a city block, I mean, these parasites in the same scale. Yeah. These are massive for our immune system to fight. You know, you're playing with a fantasy war games and this is like the biggest giants on the field coming by. You know, it's mm-hmm. like so there's no test I would give a nickel for for candida. Plenty of tests, but they don't correlate with whether people get better taking the treatments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think they're useful. How do I diagnose candida in this disease? Chronic nasal congestion that's not allergic, it's not seasonal, chronic sinusitis, irritable bowel syndrome, gas bloating, diarrhea, constipation, any of those in fibromyalgia, I will treat with diflucan for 200 milligrams a day for six weeks, or there's a whole host of natural antifungals. We all have our favorites, Mm -hmm. but they need extended periods with good probiotic. But the six weeks of diflucan is very helpful. ITC, compounding pharmacy, it's a mail order, and we'll make a sinusitis nose spray which combined with the diflucan is brilliant. It's by prescription. Again, the candida for me is if I had to pick one treat, most people end up having it. Most people get, they will flare and hurt when you first treat it. So it starts mm-hmm. flow and work up, but it makes a massive difference in outcome for people. Most of you out there know about Lyme disease. So I, all I need to say about post-Lyme is that persistent symptoms after the antibiotic means they may have tripped the circuit breaker. You need to go ahead with the SHINE protocol and the low-dose naltrexone that we'll talk about as time allows. Mm-hmm. Uh, then your antibiotics, are gonna, they're going to have persistent benefits from the antibiotic treatments that you're doing for the Lyme and co-infections. Okay. So, but that, that's a whole other three-hour discussion, but yeah, people yeah. are going to have their own protocols. Well, for living that. here in the Northeast, Lyme is a, is a big issue. It seems to be getting bigger too. So Maybe we can yep. do another episode and talk about Lyme. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give you, a, I would have Neil Nathan on for that one, okay. for Lyme and mycotoxins. So he'll be good. But my book will go through it in depth and many other books on that as well. Okay. So, the you know, so you have all these infections that when the immune system is down, they come in. Mm-hmm. But the book will talk about also when to use antibiotics. The Lyme tests are not reliable. Mm-hmm. And they'll go through, do they have scalp sores? It's the Thermax helps the whole body when they have, for some reason, like that's a marker, mm-hmm. chronic lung congestion. Have they taken the antibiotic that they, hey, I took amoxicillin for dental work, my CFS went away. Oh, what happened when they kept you on it? Oh, they wouldn't give it to me. What? They said, well, I can't give you long-term antibiotics. So I said, did you say you have acne? Hey, I went back and said I had zits. They gave me two years of tetracycline. Nope. No, I was like, yeah. crazy. So yeah. treat the infections. Treat the infections. Anything else you want to talk about with regard to the infections? I no. Okay. And, and um, since we have about five to eight minutes, I figure I'll wrap up with two key areas. Uh, okay. One is nutritional support. 
a good multivitamin, high in B vitamins, magnesium. I, like, I use the essentials multivitamin, a coenzyme Q10, but they have one now with gamma cyclodextrin. Euromedica makes this one too. It's a chewable. They have a bunch of them. Get the chewable 100 milligram. Okay. It's the equivalent of 700 milligrams of CoQ10. There's two studies we recently completed. One was a a form of red ginseng. It's called red ginseng energy with a HRG80 red ginseng. Increased energy in this population about 60% on average. Stamina went up, sleep improved, cognition improved. It was, in fact, if you look at the one thing I have on my desk, it's a bottle of the, the ginseng energy. That's remarkable. And Is that then, a separate product from the, the chewable with the CoQ10? At the, the chewable CoQ10 is a separate product, and the red ginseng energy, but you want the chewable too. Okay. It doesn't keep your eyes out for gamma cyclodextrin added to products. It's a natural compound that increases absorption sevenfold. So people okay. are taking handfuls of pills all day. You'll find what I've tried to do here is give you the smallest number of capsules and pills so people can do it. it so it's yeah, doable. make it easier because too many pills, they're just not going to be compliant with the protocol, right? Uh, simply so. Um, what other nutritional support do you recommend? I'm going to repeat. Increase salt, mm-hmm. increase water, avoid sugar. Otherwise, see what diet leaves you feeling the best overall. Most people, it's a high-protein diet with frequent grazing or snacking through the day. But for some people, they do a keto-type diet. They get depressed. They need the carbs. Mm-hmm. So see what feels best to the individual. Some people thrive with a vegetarian diet, and others look like they're you know, quash right. dork or kids. So they, it, it's, it really needs to be tailored to the individual. Any, any thoughts around intermittent fasting for something like this? It can help. Again, you have the insulin resistance tends to be a part of it. Food sensitivities are often a part of it. In terms of symptomatic relief, the keto diet is more likely to help than the intermittent fasting. Okay. For weight loss, intermittent fasting is great. Okay, so that's nutritional support. Anything else? Mm-hmm. Like exercise, don't push excess exercise. Exercise is able, light walking. If they have orthostatic intolerance, if you can get them exercising horizontally, a rowing machine, a mm-hmm. horizontal bike, because otherwise they stand up and exercise, blood rushes their legs. Right. So once you've got them conditioned a little bit, lightly, lightly a little bit of weight exercise if you mm-hmm. over push they will be bedridden for three days really? if you try to be coaching oh boy give me two more you'll kill them not quite but pretty yeah. much kill you yeah uh, that's it's not don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> let them slowly slowly condition you know why do they have pain mm-hmm. pain and fibromyalgia predominantly begins because the low energies cause the muscles to get locked in a shortened position mm-hmm. think about it if you have a heavy workout and your muscles get drained of energy, you don't come home and say, honey, my muscles are all loose and limp. Right. You go, they're all tight. They're like a spring. It takes more energy to stretch them. Low energy gets locked in a shortened position. Your muscles are all tight, honey. Can mm-hmm. you rub my shoulders? And when you have low energy in the body, the muscles get locked in a shortened position. They're tight and they hurt. And the pain will move all over the place as you shift weight to try to unload the muscles. Once you have chronic pain in the muscles, it will trigger central, any chronic pain will trigger um, microglial activation, central sensitization, blah, 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 brain pain, which then triggers small fiber neuropathy or nerve pain. So 45, 44% level paresthesias. Mm-hmm. That's, everybody's different, but that's the most common progression. Treat pain, treat with shine. 
practice. And the study showed that, that most people no longer have fibromyalgia by the end of three months. The pain goes away. And it's something called curafen, which is a mix of, of, of an herb, which is a pain relief miracle for people. Give that six to eight weeks. And then the book goes through each kind of pain. My cures A to Z app is, we'll do that for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a two buck upgrade, but you know, a lot more than that. Most of the info is in the free app. And it's just almost all pain is treatable. For those of you out there treating people with CRPS, email me for the CRPS information sheets. But just email me for the articles on treating long COVID, treating fibromyalgia. I'll include the orthostatic intolerance along with the Shine protocol. That's great. And if I probably I'll send the Lodos naltrexone. We don't have time for that today, but Lodos naltrexone is a two thumbs up in this disease. Start slow because you're going to mess with their sleep. But virtually all pain can be eliminated. This need to treat is like the oil light in your car. You try to put a Band-Aid on it or smash it or cut it out, which is a medical approach. That doesn't work very well. You put oil in the car, the oil light goes out. You give your body yeah. what it needs, the pain goes away. Mm-hmm. Well, I know lack of sleep, you know, people that, don't sleep at all they seem to have a lot of pain just in general and that's um, what the research shows yeah you sleep deprived people they develop widespread muscle pain mm-hmm. which then will progress sleep is when you make growth hormone that's what helps with the tissue repair that's when the night crews are out repairing the right. micro damage to the tissues that we have in the muscles all day and so all these don't things have are that yeah very connected right so that's why so how did you come up with this shine protocol what was what was we well, got a few more minutes. I just, I'm just curious, where did this I, all come from? I was on the road, and I, I learned, you know, the oh, that there was an adrenal issue. So mm-hmm. I took adrenal support. I realized that since I was paying my own way through college and med school, I had the diet from hell. Right. You know, I mean, I, I, I definitely sugarholic, and I had Snicker bars and top ramen, and yeah, uh, the, uh, Dr. yeah that those were on the good days. Yeah, you know? and so I had the candida and the nutritional issues. I started with those and the energy work, and that was enough to get me back into med school. Mm-hmm. But over time, I realized, okay, well, I got to get the sleep going. And I learned these things piece by piece. You know, uh, Professor Jeffries taught me about the adrenal things in more depth. Billy Crook about the candida issues in more depth. Janet Travell, you know, and these are the three doctors, uh, Dr. Reardon, that my books are dedicated to. You know, each of them taught me bits and pieces, and it's kind of like, oh, this is the answer. And I would dive in, mm-hmm. and I'd realize, oh, it was a little piece. I would distill that piece down, and then there was another one. Oh, this is, and this is, and this is. And about 40 things later, I was like, okay, how do we organize this for people? Mm-hmm. And I was on the Dr. Oz show, and Dr. Oz is a good man. The Monsanto and pharmaceutical industry got pissed off at him, and they put their hired hounds in the media and Congress Notice how they all suddenly jumped on them. I can tell mm-hmm. you stories firsthand. Of, of they're just making crap up that I know firsthand. But when I was on a show, he said, well, okay, Jacob, this is interesting. I'm going to send you somebody to get them all. It was this lieutenant in the Air Force. And mm-hmm. she came, and six weeks later, she was well. And he said, okay, now you can come on the show. Yeah. And I called it the Shin Protocol in the earlier editions. You know, uh-huh. you got to add an E to make it shine. Yeah. Okay, so that's how shine came. I like it. That's great. So one one last question. Is there any kind of a clinical pearl or a bit of wisdom that you'd want to share? Something you've learned along the way that you just feel is would be a great thing to share with the audience? Yes. If you get people better so they can go back to what made them sick in the first place, number one, we've done nothing for them. And mm-hmm. two, something else will come along. They'll be hit by a truck. I guarantee you it will always be the other driver's fault. And mm-hmm. it'll take them right back out of the game again. 
So for any severe chronic illness, once you've treated the physical components that are able to hear it and they're getting better, mm-hmm. guide them, use your energy, use your improved health to do what feels best to you, to be authentic, not to go spinning nickels for some other rich people or taking care of bureaucratic paperwork. The illness taught you that you don't have to do those 18 bags of paperwork. You didn't get arrested. You're not homeless. If that's the case, let those go. Right. And do the things, follow your bliss. I love that. That will be, you. it's like, you know, I, I tease that people should get a superpower, like Spider-Man got bit by a spider and he got, you know, spidey powers. The superpower from this disease, as you recover, is authenticity. Mm-hmm. It's learning to say no to things that feel bad and learning to be authentic and do those things that make you feel good, that make your heart sing without hurting anybody else. That's great. That's a great message. And I do love the, that quote from Joseph Campbell, follow your bliss. Mm-hmm. I learned that a long time ago myself. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again soon. Rob, a pleasure and an honor. Aloha, everybody. Thank well. you so much. Thanks for listening to the One Medicine Podcast. I hope you found today's episode interesting and came away with a few insights you can apply to your practice. If you're looking for the show notes, they can be found in the link below. If you want to go deeper on this topic or anything else, please visit todayspractitioner.com and consider registering for our weekly newsletter as well. Thanks again, and I hope you'll join us next time.